All right, all right. Welcome, everyone. want to welcome you again. Thanks so much for being here. Um, thanks for joining us. We are the Vine Church, and uh, just to tell you just a little bit about who we are, for those that are newer with us here today, um, it was in 2015 that we started to feel a calling in our hearts and our lives, Sarah, my wife, and, and myself. Um, God's saying, uh, God inviting us into this beautiful journey of church planting, uh, inviting us into this place where... Um, uh, amongst a, a beautiful faith community that already exists in the Tri-Cities, inviting us to a place saying, what does it look like to be another part of what God is doing here in the Tri-Cities? And so early in our journey, we found um, we, we, we found uh, just heavy on our hearts this idea of a faith community in which belonging comes first, um, a place in which no matter our walk of life, no matter our belief system, we want to create a space in which people can explore who Jesus is and what it looks like to follow him. And in time, it's our prayer that people come to believe in Jesus and put their hope in him. And at that time, Jesus changes us in in remarkable ways. And and we begin to become the person that he has created us to be. So we're the Vine Church. Hey, we are about belonging. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, We hope that you feel welcomed and and, um, uh, invited into this place where we explore Jesus. Um, A couple things just uh, catching up. It's it's been a wild season here through the holidays. Many of us go in many different directions. I stood here and I worshiped and, and it felt so good. You know, to have Chris leading us in worship and to, and to be here together this morning because it feels like it's been sporadic. I am excited for a new year and a new season and, and to, to find rhythms and things like that. So a couple things we're trying to do in the new year um, to keep us uh, just focused. Uh, one of the first things is um, uh, just a focus on the fruits of the Spirit. We, we rolled this out on January 1st this year, and the goal here is that we learn to be more attentive to what God is doing in the world around us. We believe that God is at work and doing beautiful and powerful things, and so our ability to be attentive to what's happening around us will uh, largely determine our ability to see God at work and doing powerful things in our lives. So um, uh, our our goal uh, was each week um, of the first nine weeks of the year, uh, let's focus in our families on uh, one of the the fruits of the Spirit, one of the things that the Spirit is accomplishing in and around us in our community, right? And so uh, the first week we were looking at love, this last week we were having conversations around joy, and so we were inviting you just at your dinner table or breakfast table, whenever is convenient. And ask your children or, or, or your spouse or your friends that you're gathered with, hey, hey, where in your life today uh, did you see joy coming about? Like, where was the Spirit producing joy in, in our lives today? Um, so just an idea. If, if you like it, take it. If you don't, then toss that out and you practice whatever you do and however you uh, engage God deeper in your life. But this is one of the things we're doing. So this next week, we'll be, we'll be talking about peace. How is the Spirit bringing about peace in our lives? Where are, where are places of unresolved peace? in our lives, that that we could be inviting the Spirit uh, to participate more, that we can see God at work in our lives. Okay, and finally, one more kind of announcement sort of thing. Um, I'm excited in this new year to be developing a new leadership structure for the church. And so we've been working on this for some time. It's beginning to roll out. For the first year or so of our journey, six uh, people, three couples, served as a strategic team. And that, you know, that was the leadership team, made the decisions and moved forward. Uh, We are a growing church, and we are excited um, for the 
opportunity to be inviting more people into a team to say, hey, your, your um, input, uh, your, your perspective is valuable, and, and we want your thought process and your family represented in the leadership and, and the thought processes of this church. So we're rolling out um, some, some new things. It'll, it'll take some time to implement, but in the weeks to come, we'll be announcing first dates. We'll be uh, having conversations one-on-one, and, and we're asking you, if, you're, if you say, hey, this is where my passions and abilities lie, come to us and say, this looks like some place that I'd, I'd really like to be in, involved in the church. We're going to structure the leadership team under three primary categories, an operations team, a Sunday team, and uh, a branches team. Um, the, the goal of this is that obviously operations are necessary. Some of us really enjoy that sort of stuff. It has to happen for a church to function. Um, so administrative directors, finance teams, uh, missions committee, marketing, these are some of the operations sort of things. On our Sunday team, we're focused on, uh, we, we've got our worship director, um, facilities, you know, our setup, teardown, uh, multimedia, sound, and all these sorts of things that have to happen on a Sunday. If your passions lie in what's happening here in this room and you want to be more involved, this will be a great place to engage. And then finally, our branches team. And our branches, this is the way we want to gather um, outside of our Sunday gatherings. This is our small groups, and um, and we are in the process of, of developing that. That is the next big thing. And the reason we wanted to make that a team in and of itself, though it doesn't comprise the amount of activity of either the other two teams, we feel it is so vital that we are more than like one hour a week Christians. And not, not like this obligation and this burden, but that we are spending time with each other, that we're spending time serving in our communities and our branches is that place where we get to grow deeper in our love for each other, deeper in our love for our community and engage in deeper ways. So, 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 so we really want to elevate that to a place where it gets to be a, a focus in our church. All right. We're here for other reasons than uh, leadership structure. So um, we're going to continue today in a series that we started a little while ago um, in the book of Acts. Um, last year, in 2016, um, we, uh, we studied through uh, the Gospel of Luke, and um, we, we looked at the story of Jesus, um, his birth and his life, his, his ministry, um, his death and his resurrection, and, and that was a, a beautiful series. Like, we are, we are Jesus people. We, we love the story of Jesus and what God is doing through him and through the Spirit and in this world. And, and we continued that then. Uh, Luke's story continued into the, 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 um, the book of Acts. And the book of Acts tells the story of the beginning of the church. It tells the story of the, the work of the Holy Spirit that powerfully came um, at, at, at Pentecost. And, and, and the church began, began there in Jerusalem. And it began as this sect of Judaism. Right? So, so Jewish peoples that, that, that for generations and generations had known God, uh, came to realize that Jesus, one of our own, uh, died and, and rose from the dead and, and it began to revolutionize what was happening there in Jerusalem, like the hub of, of, of worship, the hub of, of Jewish faith. And, uh, and, and so people came to follow Jesus. The church began and, and, and the, the, the story of this resurrected Savior began to spread throughout Jerusalem and then surrounding regions. And so here in Acts chapter 4, we are following up on a lesson that Jake Deanhill did uh, a little while back. Um, Peter and John uh, came upon a crippled man and, and they healed him. And since birth, the man had been unable to walk. And uh, the man stood and he walked and he, and he danced and he, and he celebrated. And you can imagine when something like that happened, news spreads quickly throughout the town. Um, so the, the the Sadducees and uh, and the um, temple uh, guards um, they come and they arrest Peter and John, 
And uh, they asked him, what is, this, what is this lesson or what, what is this word that you're teaching about Jesus and a risen Savior? By what authority are you healing this man, right? And, and really what's happening is they are quite threatened by the powerful things that God is doing. They are quite threatened by the idea that this religious system is changing as Jesus um, has, is proclaimed risen from the dead, right? And, and so they are trying to shut down this movement. Um, they've arrested Peter and John uh, in the previous chapter, they've threatened and they've warned them not to speak of Jesus at all. So, so Peter and John leave uh, prison uh, having been threatened, uh, you know, with their life. And, and, and I mean, fast forward a long ways, many of them will give, them, give their lives, right, still preaching that Jesus has risen from the dead. They'll lose their lives for that cause, right? But they've left with this first major reality check, like the, the ruling authorities are against what I have to say. And they're left in this spot, well, well, what do I do today about my belief in Jesus, but the structures and systems that stand in the way? So that's where we're at, we're at today as we read in Acts chapter 4, we'll start in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit uh, through the mouth of your servant, uh, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power uh, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All right, so here we are in our series. Uh, our, our, our characters, um, Peter and, and John, have, have been uh, imprisoned, released, and they go to their people and they say, okay, what do we what do? We do? And, I, and I want to take a minute to resonate on, on the fact that here they are, um, followers of Jesus, passionate about what happened, but, but living in a, a broken system uh, against uh, the, the progress of the gospel in this place and moment. And it's possible that their position isn't that much different or contrary to ours. Like, as we look around the world, I want to explore just for a moment this morning what we see uh, in relation to the gospel or oppressive, broken systems in the world around us. Like, heavy on my heart right now, as I look at the world, is uh, the war in Syria, for, four, for over four years, a war has been fought in Syria, in which, as of the middle of last year, more than 4.4 million people had been displaced, right? Countless lives lost in a war fought in this country that was once in the heartland of, you know, the beginning of, of Judaism and, and the Christian movement, right? Uh, uh, terrible atrocities being committed. Half of those refugees are children. Uh, 
Right? We look at the world around us and, and, and kind of like the apostles are feeling, we say, God, why? What's, what's going on that this stuff gets to reign, that this stuff gets to happen? Similar story in Sudan where 1.6 million people have been displaced over wars. Again, countless lives lost. Right now, one of our own, Jen Deanhill, is in Bangkok. She just arrived a couple hours ago, and she's there with World Help, um, a, a missions organization. And she and a group of 15 ladies from th- throughout the country um, are, are working with this organization um, to raise awareness and, and to uh, help to, to stop the sex trade industry that so many people are trapped in there in that country. Right? We look at these situations in these places, and we say, God, why is this happening. And then, right, isn't it nice when we think about all the things away? But what about the things right here in our own backyard, right? Even in our own homes and our own communities. I mean, I won't go into detail on this because I could, <laughs> but I mean, our current political climate in, in our country right now is not healthy, right? I mean, a, a lot of people are fearful. A lot of people are angry. There's a, there's a lot of things happening right now that, that just is scary as a nation, like, and, and within our own country here, sexism and racism still reign. I mean, legally, we've done away with those, but let's be honest. Uh, there are hate crimes being committed in, in our own country right now. There are systems and things in place that cause race or gender uh, to, to, um, to prevent people's success, potential, unequal wages, right? There's so many things around us, and, and I, I just want to highlight some of these to say, God, Why? God, what's going on when, when around me I, I see all this brokenness? I was talking with a friend yesterday, um, had a conversation, and uh, they were expressing to me that uh, just the hurt as they look around the world around them and boiled it down to a, a, a beautiful, really insightful thought. It's just selfishness around me that breaks my heart. Like the inability to help a homeless person because they might be taking advantage of me. And and sure, that's a valid concern at times. And yet, the question they were asking me is, does that mean just no one should receive my help because someone might be taking advantage? You know, no, of course not. People are in need of help. And so today I want to just, I want to ask this question. And I want to allow uh, Acts 4 um, kind of to speak into this question of, God, why all this around me? What's next? Okay. And uh, let's, let's turn over. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 11 because we've got two pictures painted uh, between these two passages, uh, the oppression and, and, and um, the violence and the threats in Acts 4, the oppression, violence, and threats and things happening in the world around us. And yet Isaiah chapter 11 um, paints a, a very different picture. You may be familiar with this passage. You may not. But it is a prophecy, Isaiah saying that, that God is bringing about a, a, a new season like a, a new heaven and earth, right? God is changing this world to look more like this. So listen, listen to what Isaiah has to say. It's beautiful. He says, um, In that day, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. 
the cow and the, and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy uh, on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Okay, so here's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying all these, all these separated, broken, opposed things, right? The animals that harm each other, the, the child who's defenseless against the snake, right? He's saying God wants to bring about in this world uh, a, a time, a place, uh, the ability that this brokenness and division and threats and violence no longer exists. It, it's not by accident that that it sounds like, you know, the Garden of Eden, the story of creation and God's perfection and peace and purpose in the lives of his created, where God says, this is good. And yet, this, this Isaiah 11, or this story of God creating goodness and perfection, doesn't it so fly in the face of Acts 4, or the things we see in the world around us? So today, we, we ask God, why does it look the way it does, and why doesn't it look a little bit more like Isaiah 11? Why doesn't it look like a little bit more like what you said is coming about? And so we'll turn back as we ask that question to um, to Acts chapter four. Well, well, actually, before we do that, um, uh, a number of artists over the years have have tried to depict this uh, Isaiah eleven passage, and um, this is by uh, Edward Hicks. And he was a Quaker. Uh, you can see in the picture, you can see, uh, these animals together, the, you know, the children in their midst. You can see the Quakers trading goods with the Indian peoples, right? And, and you see this serene picture that Edward wanted to describe, like, how, how it could look for the world to be at peace and, and for the things that look so dangerous or ominous to not be that. Now, here's the thing about Edward Hicks. He painted this picture over 60 times in his life. And the longer he lived, the less the picture looked like this. You'll notice the the animals' faces start to look descended. You'll notice that the children are turned away and like clutching their arms, almost in fear. Right? The, the picture, scroll back one, one, you know, what, what began as a beautiful scene, like serene and like the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, it soon in his life, uh, starts to look darker. And see, over the, over the course of, um, Edward Hicks' life, he saw his people commit genocide in the New World. He saw his people, the Quakers, split, become enemies and fight wars against each other. And so we're left with this question of, as I see the brokenness and hurt in the world, how do I, how do I prevent from beginning to see the darkness, right? Everything looks less hopeful as I, as I struggle through the realities of the world in which I'm in. I don't know that this helps at all, but I do have one more picture. A more contemporary artist uh, drew um, uh, Isaiah 11 slightly differently. Uh, I thought that was kind of a creative effort. Um, you still see goodness in that picture, right? That's, that's a good one. Okay, scroll fast that. I, I didn't actually need to have that in there. So we're going to turn back to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to ask, um, 
what, what does it look like uh, to trust in God when we're calling out, when we're just crying out, God, why all of this? And it begins with this. They go to God in prayer, right? Um, it begins with this. They, they go to God saying, God, you are powerful, okay? So roll to that, that uh, title slide. Uh, we, we've got the prayer, where, um, where, where we go to God saying, God, you hold the power. And the power is important to me because I think the power realizes that I don't have in and of myself what it takes to accomplish righting the wrongs in the world around me, right? It acknowledges that, that as they acknowledge in their prayer, they say, um, they say, God, you created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. God, you're the one with the ability to right these wrongs. And they, so, so they go to God saying, you're the powerful one. I want you to do it. They say, God, stretch out your hand. I want you to resolve this. And here's what's fascinating, what happens in, in, our, uh, in our Acts 4 story. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers them, and they become participants in what God is doing. I want to flesh that out a little bit. Here it is. Like, wouldn't it be so nice if I could just say, God, just fix this world. It hurts. I don't want to see it this way anymore. And, and God just did it. Here's what I believe. I believe God is doing it. I believe that God is bringing around his good and his restored creation. I believe God is at work to accomplish these things. But God is empowering us to be a part of that process. Like, God's Spirit is giving us the boldness and the ability to engage that it's not just this, God, I want you to take care of this problem over here, but God comes down into our lives and said, will you be a part, a participant in the goodness that I am bringing about in this world? And so, like, as we ask this, uh, you know, I've been saved, I have hope, and for what purpose? I believe it's this. I believe my hope is for the sake of the world around me. I believe that my hope and the blessings I've received from God are so that I can, in turn, share hope and blessings with the world around me. So, so what is our purpose in this life? Like, like, why am I here in the midst of all of this brokenness? I think it's so that we can be participants in what God is doing. That when I bring love and light into a broken and dark situation, I've been a part of that prayer that Jesus prays. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like God's kingdom comes down as we participate in bringing about the love and the healing and the hope for this world. God has invited us to be participants. So today it's appropriate. And, and each of us are in different places in our faith journey. And, and if you're new to this or if you're really questioning this, that's okay. I would say walk away from this saying, I want to be more loving towards the people around me. And, and let me say that in doing that, I believe, you don't have to believe it, but I believe that you are participating in what God is doing in this world. So, so thank you, right? Now, if, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, our challenge today is to say, how can I engage the good and loving work that God is doing in the world around me, right? In, in what way? We, we cry out to God saying, God, you are the power, help. And I believe God will, will continue to work in the world around us and he will continue to empower us to participate in the work that he is doing. And that, friends, I believe is a beautiful hope. I believe that, that, that is the good news that God is bringing. And God says, yeah, be hurt. Like when you see the brokenness in the world, be hurt and cry out to me and let me invite you to 
participate in some healing. Let me invite you to participate in showing a little more love that people can come to know the hope that's found in Jesus. So here's how I want to close out today. I usually close with a prayer, and I'll do that. But instead of of praying my own prayer today, I wanted to pray um, a prayer of peace by St. Francis. And this is... um, prayer that over the centuries many, many people have prayed. Like, as we pray this prayer today, we participate with the thousands and thousands of people over the course of time that have prayed this prayer. And I want to invite you today, I'll read it, you're welcome to listen, or you're welcome to read along with me. Um, if, If you want this to be your prayer today, a prayer towards peace and a prayer towards healing, I want to invite you just to 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 pray this prayer with me as we close out this morning. Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not seek so much, I'm sorry, <laughs> let me try that again. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be console as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Friends, this is the good news that that we leave with today. Um, God is at work in this world. God is bringing about goodness and healing in this world. And friends, today we are reminded that we have been invited to be empowered by God to participate in the good things he's doing in the world around us. As your week unfolds, I invite you to be a part of that blessed invitation.